Good morning, good to be with you this morning. I'm thankful for another opportunity to stand before you. Today is Father's Day, and I suppose every one of you fathers woke up to a home-cooked breakfast, right? Everybody's laughing, so I don't know what's wrong there. Uh, anyways, I hope you have a great day. I hope that today is, is being able to spend with your family and and. Being a father is one of the greatest blessings on the face of the earth. It is, it's great to be a father, and those of you that are, you understand that, you know that. Those that are yet to be, it's something that you can look forward to, hopefully in your life. When it comes to Father's Day, I suppose we're always supposed to talk about fathers. In fact, I believe this is, I've preached each of the last three Father's Days here, so uh, trying to decide what to talk about, and and maybe instead of talking about earthly fathers, I want to talk about the ultimate father. I want to talk about the father, the one that is in heaven. I want to talk about some of his attributes and, and things that maybe we need to copy in our lives. You see, the Bible tells us that God is our father. And, and along with that comes a great deal of benefits. And I hope each of us, we appreciate that, we understand that. And this morning, we want to examine that just a little bit deeper. In fact, Ronnie read just a moment ago, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. Have you ever considered that? Have you ever considered in your life what manner of love it is that the God of heaven would call you and I His children? I don't know if we fully recognize how amazing that is. I don't know if we appreciate that to, de to the degree that we should. Do you realize that, that God didn't have to do anything that he did? Do you realize that it was his eternal purpose to do that? Do you realize that it was his love that motivated him to do all of those things? But he didn't have to do that. The Bible describes you and I as sons of God, and that would be generic for male and female. We're all children of God. The Bible describes that as that we are adopted children of God. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. If you have a child by birth, then that child by right, by that birthright, is your child. And you're, in essence, and I hate to say it this way, you're stuck with that child, right? By birth, you've got them, you don't get to choose them, they're just yours. Whatever is there, it's yours. But when it comes to adoption, I want you to think about that for a moment. When it comes to adoption, you make a conscious choice that you want that person. The Bible describes in Romans chapter 8, beginning in about verse 14 and following, that we are children of God, and it describes us as we are adopted children of God. You realize God didn't have to take us? God was not obligated to take us. We were not birth, uh, born by some type of uh, connection that he was just obligated to have us. God chose to have us. God chose to make us part of his family. And the Bible even goes on to say in Romans 8 verse 17, if we are, are children of God, then we're heirs. We're heirs. And we're joint heirs with Christ. God has made us and put us in a place with His Son. We are heirs with His Son. We are brethren 
with his son. I, I don't know, again, we can't uh, appreciate that like we should. We can't even understand that like we should. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to present a lesson, and I want to show us some of those attributes of God. I want to show us uh, an account of God's love with his children. And again, I want to use that today for something that you and I can apply to our lives as, as fathers or, or take it farther. As even mothers are just being Christians. These things we're going to talk about today, they'll just apply to everyday life. But brethren, we're going to see a picture of God. I want you to open your Bible, if you would, to Luke chapter 15. And you say, the prodigal son? Well, what does that have to do with God? And, and I've heard the story of the prodigal son 500 times. What are you going to say that I've not heard? I'm going to look at this whole account from the perspective of the father. And normally we don't do that. Normally, normally we look at it for uh, the account of the rebellious son and, and we want to bring people back to Christ and, and all of that. But I want to look at it purely from the side of the Father. And I want us to see that within this account is a beautiful story that, of the love of God that was bestowed upon us. Sometimes I think we don't fully appreciate what this account tells us about God. There's some attributes that you and I need to copy. First, let's read and then we'll go into some points. Luke chapter 15 beginning in verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and he had compassion. And he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and he's found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants, and he asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry 
and he would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered, and he said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who hath devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and was found. And again, a very familiar account, but I want us to understand three things from this account that you and I as parents need to learn from God. Number one is free will. You realize in verse 12, the Bible says the young son came to him and he says, Father, give me my goods that I can go. Give me the portion of my inheritance right now and I want to go. You realize when our children are young, we can make them do whatever we want them to do, can't we? We can make every decision for them. We can decide where they go. We can decide what they wear. We can decide what they say to a degree. We make their decisions. But it comes a point in time in their lives that if we love them, we've got to allow them to decide for themselves. Do you realize the Father in this story is, is God? The Heavenly Father. And do you realize in this story that, that God the Father allowed free will? Could not have the Father in this story says, no, you can't do that. You, you've got to make this decision. You've got to go this direction. You've got to... No, that's not what He did. He realized that, that as a man, this son had to stand on his own two feet. And as a man, he was given free will. Now, there's consequences. I want, if you will, to turn over quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Or you can just listen along and I want to read. I want to read what God wanted the children of Israel to understand as they embarked on their journey on into the promised land. God wanted them to know that they had free will. And God wanted them to know that they had to make a choice of whether they were going to do right, whether they were going to do wrong, but ultimately that choice was going to be theirs. They could choose whatever they wanted to. You and I as parents today Ultimately, that choice is going to lie within our children. We do the very best of our ability to bring them up, to teach them, to guide them, to mold them. But when you get to that point, you've got to allow them to make that decision. You see, we see this father in this situation that we're talking about got to that point. Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning in verse 11, it says, For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. In other words, it's not hard to understand. I'm going to lay it out plainly for you guys, for this whole nation of people that's going to cross over. He said, it is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear and do it. But the word is very near you in your mouth, in your heart, that you may do it. God says your decision is here. 
It is within you. See, he says, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He says, therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him. For He is your life and the length of your days, and you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. Don't you notice what God said? God says, I- I've given you everything I can. I have taught you what is right and wrong, and I have set before you the decision to make today. You've got to decide yourselves whether or not you're going to do it. As fathers this morning, as mothers, whoever you are this morning, we set before our children today good and evil, life and death. And we leave it in their hands when they get to that point in their lives that they've got to decide. We've got to instill within our children, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, that they're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ and they're going to give account of themselves. They're not going to give account of mama and daddy or brother and sister. Ultimately, we've got to get them to understand they stand on their own two feet before God someday. And the father in the story of the prodigal son, he understood that. He instilled that within his child and he enabled him to have free will. Now, I want us to look at that from, again, the perspective of the father. And in this account, this father it is in the account, he is on earth. He's a man, I understand God is not humiliated. God is not guilty. But I want you to look at the account as Jesus presented it. I want you to think about this man. This man had raised his son, and no doubt this man had done a, a, a good job in life. He, he was a wealthy man, and he had a lot of possessions, and he had a lot of things. And I want you to picture, if you will, how this man felt. How this father felt. This boy comes to him in essence and says, I'm tired of being your son. I no longer want to be a part of this family. Give me what is mine and I'm gone. Does that happen today? Maybe not in the exact same way. But does it happen today that sometimes children reject their fathers, their mothers? Don't you think this father felt completely rejected? Don't you think this father felt humiliated? How many things happen in this life that that other people don't find out about? Very few. In fact, I want you to picture in this story, this young man says, I want what's mine. I want my part of the inheritance. And no doubt, part of his inheritance was land. And if he wanted to turn that land into money, what did he do? Well, he had to sell that land and 
And, and maybe these possessions he got, he had to sell those possessions. So don't you think maybe everybody in town knew what had happened? And don't you think everybody in town was saying, well, wonder what that guy did wrong. Wonder what decisions that he made that, that maybe he should have made differently. And people talk, don't they? You know, there's people sitting in this audience right now. You know how that feels, don't you? You know how it feels to, to be rejected. You, you, you know how it feel, feels to be humiliated. And again, I understand God doesn't feel guilt because He doesn't do anything wrong. But the picture of this father in the story, don't you think he felt guilty? Don't you think he felt guilty that, that this son that he loved so much had decided, I, I don't want you anymore. And, and he's questioning over and over in his mind, what did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? How could I stop this? And, and no doubt for years, that guilt dwelt within his mind. Even though all those things happen, what's our response? What's our response? Well, what do we do about it? Maybe, maybe this happens to us in life, and, and maybe it's not with a child. Maybe it's with a sibling. Maybe it's with a parent. I don't know. Maybe it's with a friend. It really doesn't matter. But maybe you felt rejected and humiliated, and, and maybe you felt guilty. What's your response? Because ultimately, that, that's what matters, right? Some people, when they feel those things, they... They withdraw themselves. You know, maybe they, they go into a deep depression and, and, and maybe they don't come out of the house and, and they don't talk to people. And is that a proper response? No. That's not going to fix anything. I'm not saying that, that that might not be hard to, you know, to overcome. But sometimes that's people's response. Sometimes maybe it's anger. Sometimes it's anger at, at maybe whoever it is that is that has shamed you, that has humiliated you, that made you feel all of these things. Maybe, maybe this father in the story, maybe he could have said, Man, that son of mine, he will never come back home. I will never speak to him again. I'll never have anything to do with him. He has humiliated this family and that's it. I'm finished. Was that the proper response? No. What did the father do in this account? Look at the third one. Patience. Maybe you find yourself in a situation even today that you feel a, a great similarity between this account as a parent. Again, as a, whatever it may be. Patience would be the proper response. If we're going to look at God as the ultimate example of what it is to be a caring, loving father, we see patience. Number two, we see God the Father is being approachable. Being approachable. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, the, the account goes that this young man, he finds himself, he, he's just, he would be willing to eat the pig slop, if you will. What's thrown out to the pig? He, he finds himself at his lowest of lows, and the Bible says he comes to himself and he says this, I will arise and I will go to my Father. Now, I want to ask you something just for a moment. If his father was not approachable, would he have come to that realization? No. If he had known that his father was an angry man, and he had thought within his mind, if I go to my father, he's going to blow a gasket. He's going to yell and scream, and he's going to cause a... If he had known that his father 
was a man that held a grudge and he would never receive him again, he wouldn't have come to himself and said, I will arise and go to my father. You see, the young man in this account realized that he could go to his father. He realized and he knew that his father was approachable because you see, God is always approachable. You realize the psalmist said, I can acknowledge my sins before God. I can talk to God in essence. I can pour out my heart to God because God is always approachable. You realize that Isaiah says it shall come to pass, and this is God speaking, that before they call, I'll answer. It's how God feels about his children. Before they even call, they should already know, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I'm listening. God says, I'm approachable to them, and I always want to be there for them. Well, what about us? What about us? When it comes to, to being approachable, is that always an easy thing? No. No, sometimes that is a difficult thing. In my life, am I always approachable? No. Sadly not. Because sadly, sometimes I, I, I don't possess these qualities like I should, and I suspect that probably most of us could say the same thing. You see, if we look at God as, as, as being approachable, you've got to have these qualities if you're going to be approachable. You've got to be a person that is kind, and, and that person that, that wants to approach you, they've got to know that. It can't be something that you hide from everybody else because you can't be approachable if nobody knows how you really are. So if we want to be maybe a parent that our children feel like they can approach Let's look to this example of God. God is kind. God has always been kind. God is calm. Is he not? What if God exploded like we do? What would happen? We wouldn't be alive, would we? We wouldn't be here this very moment. You see, God is calm. God is patient. God is long-suffering. And you and I, if we want to be approachable like God, we've got to possess that attribute. God, again, is patient. God is attentive. I want you to think about that for a moment. Can we be approachable if somebody comes to us if we don't listen? Can we? No. Can we be approachable if somebody comes to us and, and maybe they're trying to talk to us and, and we're sidetracked? Maybe we're on our phone and we're trying to text somebody or, or maybe we're looking off in the distance and we're, we're paying attention to something else. No can't be approachable if we're not attentive. You remember what Isaiah said? God speaking, why, before they even call on me, I, I'm going to answer. I, I'm always attentive. He, he says when they speak, he says, I'm listening, I'll hear. I, I'm ready and willing and able. Can we say the same? What about being judgmental? You know, the young man in the story, he he woke up from where he was and he decided, I, I, I want to go back home and I'll talk to my father. He knew he was going to be able without the father throwing everything up in his face. What about us? Can we do that? That's hard, isn't it? If your child or my child had did this exact same thing, come to you and said, I want my inheritance now, and, and listen, you, you gave it to him. And it cost you a great deal to give this to him, and then he blew it all in just a little while, wouldn't we be harsh? 
Wouldn't we if we seen him coming immediately? I, I knew you'd do this. I, I tried to tell you about this and just on and on and on and on. We don't see God doing that in this account. He, he's not judgmental. In fact, he's understanding. He's understanding. Can, can we be understanding? Do our children know that we're understanding? Well, if they don't, then we're not approachable. God was full of hope in this account. Hope for something better for this child and didn't always just assume it was going to be the same way. God was humble. God was humble. Don't you think about that? The Bible said God ran to this young man and God gave him all of those things. Could God have been in this account prideful? Could God have been a little bit haughty? Could God have felt that he was better then this son, the father in this account, could have felt, yes. But he chose to be humble. God was available. Available. If we're going to be approachable, we, we've got to be available. And ultimately, we've got to be loving. And I hope, I hope that each one of us will work on those things in our life. We need to be approachable to more than just our children and our family. We need to be approachable to each other. As a church family, we are, we are to strive together to go to heaven. We're to help each other and all of those things. And if we are a person that, are, that is standoffish, that nobody thinks that they could approach and come to with something, and brother, we're not showing the love of God. See, we see in this account a picture of a father who is very, very approachable. Number three, we see a picture of a father who's compassionate. In verse 20, the Bible says when he saw him, he ran. The Bible says when he saw him, he ran to him and he had compassion on him and he fell upon him and he hugged him and he kissed him and, and he didn't say anything. He just had compassion. You realize the psalmist says two different times, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. Merciful being the same thing as compassionate. The Bible says that Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. Could that be said of, of you and I? Dads today, could that be said of us? Are we a dad that is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger and of great mercy? If we want to be like the ultimate father, then that's something we need to work on. Those are things that, that you and I need to possess. I, I want us to look again at this idea of compassion with the Father, and I want us to, to see how He acted. Brethren, do you realize that this Father never rejected the Son? Never. I, I don't know how long He'd been gone, but again, it, it may have been years. And, and He never decided to write Him off. Sometimes we write people off in our lives, whoever it may be. We just think they've gone too far and they'll never come back and we reject them, we write them off, we're done with them. We want no more part of their life. We never see that out of this father. We never see it. He never rejected him. He always left the door open that any time he wanted to come back, he could come back. You see, God does that for us as his children. He never closes the door. As long as we are alive, we can make things right with Him. Even at the 11th hour, as the parable suggests in another place. It doesn't matter. 
God always leaves the door open. I want us to notice something else. Where was the young man when the father saw him? The Bible says a long ways off. What does that tell us? What does that tell us about this father? The father was always watching the horizon. Can you imagine this father? Every day he gets up out of bed and he goes outside and he's looking. And in his heart he's saying, I hope today's the day. I hope today's the day that I see him a long ways off and he's coming home. Don't you think maybe every afternoon maybe this father goes back outside and, he, and he's again, he, I'm looking, I'm looking. He's got a soft heart. He has no desire that the son stay gone. He has no ill will toward the son. In essence, all he wants is for him to come home. Every day, he's looking. Do you realize when he saw his son? Do you realize the Bible said he had compassion? And what do you mean? He, why did he have compassion? Can you imagine how this son looked? You picture this in your mind. When this young man left home, no doubt he was healthy. He was well fed. He was well clothed. He looked good. He spent a long time living an ungodly life. What does he look like? Do you think he's dressed the same? No. Do you think that, that he looks healthy? No. He's been hungry. He has been hungry. And no doubt this son looks, looks sad. And when the father sees him, he doesn't say, well, got what you deserved. Got what you deserved. You should be hungry. and you sh Your clothes should be ripped. And, and your shoes should be you know, falling off your feet. And that's not what he said. He had compassion. He felt for him. That's my son. And, and he left looking one way. And, oh, man. He said, I, I've got to do something for him. I, I've got to show him affection. Do you realize the father was not afraid to run and throw his arms around the young man's neck and kiss him on the cheek? He's not afraid to do that. Sometimes dads, we, sometimes we struggle with that, don't we? Sometimes that's hard for a father to, to show affection. It, it's a difficult thing for men sometimes. But the picture we see of this father, there's no difficulty at all. None whatsoever. He showed his son unmerited favor. We hear about that, don't we? We hear about that a lot within Christianity and a lot of different lessons. Giving things that did not deserve. God is gracious to us. He gives us things that we do not deserve. This son was shown unmerited favor. Look at what the Bible says. He put a ring on his finger. He put a robe around him. He killed the fatted calf. He called all of his friends together and he brought them in. We're going to have a celebration. My son was dead and now he's back. My son was lost and he's found. I am giving him things that he does not deserve, but he gave it nonetheless. If we want to know what it means to be the ultimate father, we've got to do the same. And Again, sometimes that's difficult. I want you to look at the last thing. This son was forgiven and all was forgotten. You ever considered that? Again, I want you to think about what it cost this father. Well, 
the son took his inheritance. He blew it all. Now he's come back home, so he's going to be in the wheel again. And now the father's throwing this party, having all of these things given to his son. I want you to look that the full privileges of being a son was restored unto him. He was not put on probation. He was not told, hey, I'm going to give you six months. If you get yourself together, if you prove to me that you're going to never do this again, then everything will be okay. Do you realize God doesn't treat us that way? Do you realize if you are away from God today and you come back home, you are restored to the full privileges of a child of God? Brethren, I hope you and I understand the love God has for us. I hope that you can take the, the account of the prodigal son and I hope you can grasp the fact that he loves you. In fact, this is the last slide. Sometimes we sing this, don't we? How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. You see, you can't comprehend it. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, I want you to understand the love of God. I want you to be able to, to measure how, how tall it is and how deep it is and how wide it is. And he says, but it's beyond understanding. You can't grasp how much God loves you. This morning, I want you to try to understand that. I want you to realize that God has a fervent desire to adopt you into His family. He wants you to be His child. This morning, you can be born again and you can be a part of that family. This morning, you can become a joint heir with Christ. You can inherit all of the eternal bliss that God has prepared for those that love Him. This morning, you can do that. God doesn't owe it to you. You don't deserve it. But He loves you nonetheless. And He desires for you to come to Him. God doesn't want anyone to perish, 2 Peter 3.9, but He wants everyone to come to repentance. This morning, if you are not a Christian, this morning, consider that. Be born again. The Bible says you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You, you are willing to repent of your sins. You're going to change your life. You're going to make a conscious decision. I'm going to stop living for me and I'm going to live for Him. You can confess His name and you can be immersed in water where at that exact point you contact His blood and God makes you His child. He makes you His child. And you enjoy all the benefits of being in Christ. You can do that this morning. Most of you have done that this morning. But I want you to think about your life. The Father in this parable has given us an ultimate example of what it means to love, to do good, to help, to be the perfect Father. Even though the child made mistakes and, and even though the older brother, we didn't even talk about that, he did the same thing. He caused his father grief and humiliation and all those things the same way. But the Father still loved him nonetheless. And the Father still offered them reconciliation Nonetheless, this morning He still offers that. Maybe you've wandered away. Maybe you have chosen to, to do things contrary to, to His will. You've not been faithful this morning. I, I don't know the situation. But maybe this morning you want to make it right. Maybe you want to be the person God wants you to be and you want to enjoy that fellowship with Him today.
there's anything we can do for you this morning, why don't you come while together we stand and sing.